All right, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for Thursday, October 12th. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. So, Clayton, this is the biggest box office weekend we have had since Barbenheimer. I mean, we have been salivating for this. It's here. And so we had to. We couldn't just do it ourselves. I mean, we could have, but we chose not to. We're bringing in a very special guest. So you know this guy. He is the editor and movie critic for Screen Crush. He is a, uh, you everyone knows him from IFC News. He was an IFC News correspondent. And now, most importantly, he's an author. It's hard to get higher than that. He's an author of the new book, Opposable Thumbs. It is a book about Siskel and Ebert. Everyone, welcome. Matt Singer is here. Hey, Matt. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, an honor. To, an, an honor to be here and to have my credits listed in such a cohesive and well done fashion. So you're on the you're on the publicity tour now for Opposable Thumbs. Comes out October 24th. Have you already done shows where people have butchered your credits? Have you been subject to listening to just rambling? They they don't know what the credits are. They're saying crush screen. They're, you know, <laughs> opposable some things. Have you have you had to listen yeah. to that yet? No, I don't think anyone's anyone's butchered it yet, but that would be pretty fun if somebody had absolutely no idea who I was. One time, many years ago, I remember um, this is now, this would be over 15 years ago. This is like right when I started at IFC doing like on-camera stuff. I had been there, just kind of fell into doing on-camera stuff. It mostly dumb luck. I was actually, I was like an intern. I wrote for their website and it, uh, they needed somebody and I had done a little one episode of one MTV show mm -hmm. and I hit it off with the producers and auditioned and somehow I got this job and like, they were like, okay, we, you're hired and we're going to, if anyone wants to interview you, we're going to get you some interviews. I'm like, okay, cool. And then they had me do like a radio show. I don't remember who with, mm -hmm. it was on like the, over the phone. This is pre zoom days where you could just talk to people and literally like see them. Right. right. And they were like, okay, sit here. We're going to, they're going to, we're going to call in and then they're going to, and, and it was me. And I want to say actually also Allison Bales, who at the time was also an IFC on air mm -hmm. host. She had this monthly show about like what was new in theaters and stuff. And so they wanted, they had us do a couple of these, I guess. And then this one we call in and, um, you know, the a producer or whoever answers and is like, okay, great. You'll be on with Joe or whatever in, in a minute, just hang tight. Mm -hmm. And they put us on hold and we're waiting or waiting. And, you know, a few minutes later, the guy comes on and he's like, hey, welcome back to Joe and the bear in the morning. Oh, boy. And, who, and who are we talking to now? And we're like, it's, you know, oh, it's Matt and Allison, we're, you know, and it's like, what are we talking about? Like, he had literally no idea who we were. Right. He wanted he to no talk about like bikini babes and. and, and he had yeah. no idea who we were. We had no idea what we were there to talk about. And at least in my memory, he's like, OK, great. We'll be right back after this and like hung up on us. We didn't, that was like the entire interview. They didn't come back to us. They literally just like dropped us and went to a commercial or something. And uh, it was a complete waste of everyone's time. Do you, um, and it, like, it was such a butchery of our, who we were that he didn't even talk to us. He didn't know who we were, why we were there and decided to just punt the whole thing. Do you think your publisher is going to book you on Joe and the Bear to promote? I, would, lo I would love to get some sweet revenge and be like, it's time, Joe. Yeah. I, get your bear well, out here and talk to me about Siskel and Ebert. Oh, so, so it was, you think the co-host was a legitimate live bear. Not, this was not I mean, a nickname. I, this was a, I, that animal. was a name I pulled out of the sky gotcha. just now. I don't remember who, who was the person we were talking to. It, it was just some, you know, morning DJ voice guy. Right. right. But, um, it'd be pretty sweet if there was a bear involved. I would love to be interviewed by a bear at some point. You need a gimmick. If, it would be tough to get revenge on somebody that would totally forget that right. it even happened. Right. 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 That's true. You, but I would know. Yeah, you would know. And you that's know what you matters. stuck it to them. Right. Um, right. So you wrote a book about Siskel and Ebert, and I can't imagine anyone who listens to the B.O. Boys is not at least, if not a fan of Siskel and Ebert, live through it like the three of us did. We we're, we're Siskel and Ebert generation. But if you are a movie fan, that name, I think, still means something. You know, Siskel and Ebert as a show, they they stopped in, what, 99 or so was Siskel's last year? And, you know, Ebert continued it and kept writing till 
2010, 2012. So they've been gone for a long time, but I can't imagine being a movie fan and that name doesn't mean something to you now. I, th- I think even a young 20-year-old Swifty knows Siskel and Ebert. I would hope so. And if not, well, now they will because we're going to talk about it. Uh, but yeah, I, w- I would think that they're their legacy looms pretty large and based on, you know, the interviews I have done, Joe and the bear, notwithstanding it, it feels like, yes, there's a lot of people who still remember and still have a, a lot of affection for this show. Um, you know, a lot of people who like me grew up watching the show, loving the show. It was their real entree into the world of movies. It's what got them interested in movies, got them interested in film criticism so, yeah, I mean, yes, they've been gone for a while now. The, the uh, dates you gave were quite accurate. But I think that for a lot of people, that name, Siskel and Ebert, it still is, you know, it's like synonymous with film mm-hmm, criticism. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of Swifties listening to this episode, you know, because they sure. are searching anything Taylor Swift. They find the B.O. Boys, probably, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of new listeners just for this episode. Give a message to the Swifties. Why on October 24th should they storm the bookstores, get opposable thumbs the way they're going to be storming the movie theaters this weekend to see Taylor Swift, the heiress tour of the movie? Well, I mean, unfortunately, the the film is not directly referenced in in the book, but I I feel like in a way it's sort of obliquely referenced Mm. in, you know, as we talk about the totality of the history of cinema, of which this film is certainly part of, and, uh, you know, from a box office perspective, perspective it certainly will be a pretty interesting moment in the history of box office because this movie is going to apparently make a whole lot of money uh and so yeah if you want a greater understanding of the world of movies and how do we got to this point um the book is certainly about siskel and ebert but it is also about the impact they had on the world of movies and how they changed movies and movie culture and film criticism and so I think it would just add a lot of very rich context mm-hmm. to the the cinematic side of of the Taylor Swift uh, era's tour film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot now, of a lot Matt, of Swifties it, are becoming movie fans, so this is a great now go back learn the history of movies right. after a person. That's right. Yeah. If you're interested, this is yes, this is a great resource. They're broadening their horizons. Football fans, movie fans. Now that's right. That's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Matt, are you encouraging? people at these book events you're going to have, which I'm sure you're going to have book events to dress in their favorite eras of Siskel and Ebert, right? Dress like PBS era Siskel and Ebert or syndicated, you know, Siskel and Ebert. And then the, when they were, uh, I don't want to say bankrolled by Disney, but they, you know, they were working for a company that was owned by Disney. I mean, there's so many different eras of uh, Siskel and Ebert. Is that going to be something you encourage a lot of, you know, uh, sweaters and things like that? Um, you know, the different eras. I, I I mean, I haven't yet, but it's a great idea. I would love to take pictures with people uh, in Siskel and Ebert cosplay. That would be fantastic. I mean, I feel like every time I do any sort of appearance uh, on in front of a camera, I'm sort of subtly cosplaying as Siskel and Ebert. I mm-hmm. still think of that as the uniform of a film critic. Mm-hmm. I shot uh, something with Pat. I wore a, a, a V-neck sweater over a, a button-down shirt. Yeah, That is like, you know, I could have worn, a, and I almost wore a blazer. It really yep. was almost like literally like that. that is the uniform. And That's for years Roger. when I've done appearances, yeah, and for years when I've done uh, TV show appearances and, and things like that, that's what I wear. Because that's what Siskel and Ebert wore. And to me, that that is that that is that's the uniform. You know what I mean? So uh yeah, I mean if if people dress like they go really overboard and they wear a wig or uh, oh, whatever, yeah. I would be even more excited to take a picture with them. Yes. So absolutely, if anyone wants to come and we do have uh, events, um, if you go to my website, matt-singer.net, there's a whole list of all the events we're doing right now. And yes, I would I would be very excited if someone came dressed. Uh, in costume, and I would absolutely take many pictures with that person. The, pers- person. the person who got mattsinger.com, do you know if that is their name or if they were just a singer named Matt advertising their wares? I don't know. I don't think there actually is one. Somebody's just like, I guess, hold, mm. hold has the rights to it, I suppose. Because I never, honestly, I never had a website in my entire life. Maybe, I guess maybe like, you know, decades ago, I had like a GeoCities or right, something. Right, right. 
but I, uh, I do so much writing on various websites and stuff. I never really felt like I needed one, but then with the book, I was, uh, you know, it was advised to me that maybe that would be a good got idea. It, so it. yeah, publishing thing, but um, there's a lot of other Matt singers out there actually. Yes. It's a very common name. Uh, there's like, there's like people who are involved in po- politics. There's like a lawyer. I think there's a, f- uh, maybe a fashion designer okay, or a fashion, okay. somebody in the fashion industry. Like there's a lot of Matt singers. There's like a Canadian hockey player or something like that. So if I Google myself, yeah, sometimes I'm, I, there's a lot of them. I've often thought it would be very interesting to like go around and meet all these other people who share my name. Um, I mean, that would I be a great be thing for, fun to do. That would be a great thing for the book tour is you'll take a picture <laughs> with anyone who dresses as Siskel and Ebert and you'll take a picture with anyone whose name and they have to show you a driver's license or some. Right. State I got to see government ID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's a thing. A lot of people love to pretend to be named Matt Singer. Yes. It's a real problem. Yeah. Especially. With but yeah, if they've got the line. government ID. Sure. I would. I would do it. So so before we get into the Taylor Swift movie, one last Siskel and Ebert thing is I looked up the three highest grossing domestic grossing movies that they ever covered. Because if you look at the all time domestic box office list, it skews so heavily towards, you know, the last 20 years or so. But the three highest grossing films that Siskel and Ebert ever covered were the uh, ninth biggest movie of all time. Titanic, and then you'd have right. to go down to E.T. the Extraterrestrial, and um, the other one is Star Wars '77, which right. they, I was going to say for sure, Star Wars would be in there. And it looks like they covered. I watched the Siskel and Ebert segment from Star Wars '77. Looks like they re, they covered it when there was a holiday re-release of the film. Mm-hmm. So those three films. So I know and they that, also co- they also reviewed the special edition when that came back out. I remember. Yes. I know that remember that quite vividly. I don't know if that still counts for the purposes of our box office calculation here, but I remember that was I mean, certainly those movies coming out were a big deal to me. And I do remember them reviewing it as well. Um, oh, yeah. So those three films, they reviewed all of them. I know the answer to this, Clayton and Matt, you don't. OK, how many thumbs went up? Amongst those three films. So there's six possible thumbs. And it was Titanic, Star Wars, and what was and the third e. one? And E.T. So are we supposed to guess who said thumbs up and thumbs down in this? Yes. Or just I mean, well, give, number give me, of thumbs? Give me a total number of thumbs. And then obviously, if you think there were thumbs down from, you know, you could tell me who. And for but are we movie. ascribing them to Gene or yes. Roger? Yes. I'd love to. I'd okay. love to hear that prediction. But of course, there are six possible thumbs across these three films. Okay. The Star Wars one is interesting because if they're doing the re-release, there's so much time between the original and that that it could skew. So you think they changed thumbs? Well, I, I'm basing it on I feel the, like they I'm changed it on the people. 70, I'm basing it on the 77 review. Okay. Yeah. And you have definitive thumbs for the 77 I have de- review. Definitive, yeah, definitive recommendations across. Okay. Uh well, Matt, you're you're the expert here, but um who would you like to go first with this guess? I mean, I'm just going to say six, six thumbs up. That's what I'm going to say. All both thumbs. Okay. So Clayton, do you think there were any thumbs down amongst those six thumbs? Uh, Star Wars. Well, I know. Titanic. uh, Okay. So I, I know that Gene Siskel's, one of his favorite movies was Saturday night fever. Yes. So he's more of a disco guy than a star Wars guy. Okay. Covered heavily uh, uh, in, in Matt's book, Opposable Thumbs. A lot of Gene yes. Siskel, uh, Saturday Night Fever anecdotes. The, 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 the whole saga of the suit. The whole saga Wait, of the suit. Is is true. That is, we do talk, I do talk about the suit. Yeah. Yes, yes, that so, is in there. So Swifties, you will hear about the Saturday Night Fever suit and Gene Siskel. Yep. Um, okay, so, okay, so I think Star Wars, I think there's one thumbs up. Okay. And I think it's... I think, oh God, this is hard. I think it's, I think it's, um, Roger. Okay. Uh, Titanic. I think it's, I think it's two thumbs up. Okay. Cause I just think they respect Cameron. And then what was the other movie? E.T. 
E.T. Oh, two thumbs up because it's Spielberg. Okay. Matt nailed it, of course. The author of the book nailed it. Six, they loved all three of these movies. And interesting note on two of these, for Titanic and their review, they went Gaga for Leo DiCaprio. Gene Siskel pegged him as a future huge star right off the bat. A little cold on Kate Winslet, actually. Mm. Um, but they they pegged Leo as going to be a big star. And in their Star Wars review, and Matt, if you want to talk to their outlook on blockbusters in the movie business, Gene Siskel did end his Star Wars review. He loved the movie, said it was a fantastic time, but he did plead to Hollywood. Remember, we also need serious adult pictures. So Siskel and Ebert, they saw the future. They saw the future there. So before we get to Taylor Swift, Matt, Siskel and Ebert on Blockbusters, did you pick up any kind of thread? Were they were they sort of, we saw in that story's review, a little antsy about the commercialization of films and, and losing serious pictures? Or were they generally open to big blockbuster box office grocers? Well, I think they were open to good ones, mm-hmm. as those reviews suggest, but they were also quite skeptical of the the blockbuster blockbusterification of Hollywood, let's say. Um, that was often a refrain was where are the movies for adults? Where are the movies, the serious films that we are used to? Because you have to remember that they were they both sort of got their jobs as film critics in the late 60s. They really got cooking as print film critics in Chicago in the early 1970s, one of the like the most exciting times for American film and, and international film in history. And it was not exactly a period of, uh, you know, big blockbusters. That period is now known as this time of great experimentation and giving young filmmakers a chance to make movies the way they wanted with their own, you know, new ideas and new ways of shooting, new ways of editing, new way, you know, like that's the new Hollywood period. And that's sort of what it's famous for. And so I do think when a few years later, Jaws and Star Wars come along and they do kind of rewrite the rules of Hollywood, they do sometimes seem very sort of frustrated with, um, uh, you know, that there's so many big budget movies and there's less, there's less, Movies and less oxygen to talk about the movies that are smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that if you watch a lot of episodes, which I certainly did for researching for the book, that comes up. I mean, there's no way around that. Like they, they absolutely do it. And often like they're there. They, it's it often feels like they, with blockbusters, they almost go in, you know, sort of wary. They're assuming, mm. you know, the worst in a way, you know, if it's another, another big budget movie, it really has to win them over. That doesn't mean that they, you know, automatically dismiss those movies. They gave lots of those movies uh, thumbs up, two thumbs up. Some that might surprise you. They gave two thumbs up to Speed 2 Cruise Control. Mm. Um, they gave two thumbs up to Con Air, which I actually think is a, a masterpiece of that kind of movie. Yeah, they nailed much that. Much better than Speed 2. Right, they nailed it. It's much mm-hmm. better than Speed 2 Cruise Control. But would you have been surprised if I had said they gave that movie two thumbs down? Right, no, right. probably not, just because of what it is. And it's, you know. So, yeah, it's not like they were um, close-minded about this, but maybe a little bit wary is maybe the best way Yeah. To well, Matt, you you touch on something here because we're the BO boys. Obviously, we talk about box office, and you know these two, Gene and Roger. I mean, they could make or break a movie in a way. I mean, studios were afraid of them and their thumbs because we all, I know, we all. Uh, well, maybe not Pat as much because he's a millennial, but I'm definitely I'm, Gen X. I'm also Gen. X. Um, so. Uh, would look at those thumbs and watch that show and say, Oh, you know, Gene liked it or Roger didn't like it or whatever, and make their decision based on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those, yeah. Th- those thumbs were on the posters. I mean, we grew up in the era really? when the thumbs, you know, if they, if they coincided, you rarely saw a one thumb up on a poster. That's a movie that's mm-hmm. really reaching. But if it right. was a two thumbs up, that got itself on the poster, on the newspaper ad, the print ad. Swifties out there, newspapers were these things that we would buy every day. The news would be printed right. and there would be movie ads in there. 
Siskel and Ebert's thumbs up would be in the movie ads. I do wonder, you know, we all wish Gene and Roger were alive today and they had a podcast. They'd probably be on the ringer and they'd have a podcast on there and be huge. They might not love the B.O. boys. You know, they would they would see, mm-hmm. oh, there's this podcast talking about box office. They probably would be hesitant. There might be a little bit of a podcast feud, even though we loved them. But we do wish we all had the opportunity to be feuding with Siskel and Ebert over podcasts. But um, I think, you know, I think they'd be happy about what's about to happen this weekend. Because in the end, Siskel and Ebert wanted movies to succeed. And... I think they'd be happy that this Taylor Swift, the Eras tour, the movie is going to give enough, a, a big, much needed shot in the arm to the movie theaters. It's been a rough couple of months. Now, Matt, you are the editor of Screen Crush. And so you cover the movie business. What is your take on these last few months? You know, we had the Barbenheimer gigantic you know, cultural phenomenon. First time in a while movies have been at the center of the culture of Barbenheimer. It's been a slow August and especially September. So just in terms of the business, have you been waiting for this Taylor Swift movie? You know, have you been, uh, are, are you excited that finally it seems like movies in whatever way this is a movie is going to be the center of the culture again? Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, it is always nice um, when your livelihood depends on the ongoing uh, health of the movie business. There you go. That there is that there is a movie that's going to gross, you know, $150 million in a weekend, just um, in terms of reasserting the um, importance of movies. And yes, it's going to get a lot of uh, uh, people young and old into movie theaters. And that is also a, a great thing as well. So yeah, from that perspective, absolutely. I hope, I hope all of those people who go to see it this weekend and I'm not planning to see it this weekend, but you know, I have two young daughters who I'm going to see it at some mm-hmm. point. I, I, I'm, and, and that's, and that's fine. I have no problem with that. I'm, I'm actually kind of curious to see it. I, I don't believe they've had any press screenings here in, in New York. Um, at least that I've heard about. If there was one, I I probably would have gone to see it quite happily and and seen it for myself that way. But um, yeah, I I I hope that if people go to see that movie, that uh don't make it a regular habit to go to the movie theater. That um you know maybe they see a trailer that intrigues them. Maybe they have a great they have such a great time that they make it a more regular thing, not just when to twi- Taylor Swift when Taylor Swift has a a new concert documentary. And yes, for that reason, what you say about Gene and Roger liking the movie, I don't I mean we can only we can't know what they would have thought of the movie, mm. but of the of the idea of that many people um caring that much to go to a movie theater, especially these days, yes, they would have been very happy with that aspect of it alone. I think that's a very safe thing to say. I don't think that that would be a uh I don't think they would take issue with that idea at all. I think they would be quite happy to see, just like with Barbenheimer, I think the same idea, that that idea that, you know, people were, you know, that enthused, engaged, excited to be in a movie theater, not just with movies, which they loved movies, and they they were big supporters of home video and VHS and Laserdisc and DVD, but they also really loved the theatrical experience. And even though it was not quite as seemingly imperiled or endangered as it is today um keeping theaters you know uh healthy was they they talked about that on the show even back then for sure so yeah i think for those reasons um they would have been quite happy um to have this movie i would love to have known what they would wouldn't you love to have seen siskel and ebert's review of taylor swift the eras mm -hmm. tour i would be so excited to see that yeah yeah i i god like we all don't want ai but i do wish there was some kind of way of having some kind of facsimile of a Siskel and Ebert review for pretty much every movie that comes out. I mean, my thought on most movies I I watch is I do wish I could then watch the Siskel and Ebert review of it on Sunday night at at 12 o'clock on channel five. But at the same time, I also do not want 
some company to feed in every episode of Cisco no, and Ebert. Do, I don't do want that. that. No one do that. I Just don't want gave that. Gave them a terrible idea. I don't want that. that. A terrible idea. And listen, I know that our show was listened to by many AI engineers, CEOs, and it's an unfortunate truth, but don't do that. Don't do that. Even though we no. kind of love it, don't do that with the Cisco and Ebert catalog. Um, yeah, I, I do think that Cisco and Ebert would... I think they would structure the episode of their show with the Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, the movie review to then highlight some other movies that they really want you to see that are out there. And so right now, I'm not sure even what that would be. They'd probably push and next week go see Killers of the Flower Moon or, you know, maybe there's a documentary right. out now that they they push you towards. Um, but I do think that's what they would do is try and get people to make sure to see some smaller you know, Wallace Shawn starring movie that's also out there right now. Well, they would right. do also the thing where it'd be what are little scene music or concert films that are available yes. on home video, yes. which of course right. now would be streaming, you yes. know, some some gems that people might not have known about. I mean, and that's that's the thing with them is that they did talk about Blockbuster. They did talk about what was in the zeitgeist. But, you know, for pre-internet, you you didn't know about some of these smaller films unless they talked about it. Right, right. So this movie, you threw out the number there of 150 million. I saw on your site on Screen Crush, one of the writers on the site talking about this weekend pegged it around that. So it's interesting because the prognosticators and the trackers have really had a hard time with this movie because the pre-sales are gigantic. They've pre-sold $100 million worth of tickets this weekend. So we know it's breaking that. But people are very hesitant to go much further than that because there's that thought out there that the only people who want to see this are the people who already bought tickets are the hardcore Taylor Swift fans. So I know, Clayton, before we got on air, you're feeling, I, I think, a little in that direction. I mean, do you feel like, this movie is just for the fans who've already bought the tickets. Do you don't think that it's going to cross over? No, I you're shaking your head. That. No, you didn't say that. I'm yeah, putting words in your that. mouth. So, so yeah. where are you at first Clayton on the pre-sales and the potential for this weekend to be significantly bigger than that? I mean, I, I, th I think it is one of those. I mean, some of the comps people we were talking about are like, you know, Barbie and No Way Home, mm -hmm. both which totally outstripped their tracking. And I think it is one of those things where I, I don't know what the limit here is, especially now because the announcement that there's Thursday previews, which mm -hmm. there was not a thing previously. So, I mean, now we're talking an extra $20 million or something possibly mm -hmm. coming out of those. Who knows? So I, I do think the sky's the limit here. I mean, the limit basically is how many theaters are showing this, really, mm -hmm. because this is a going to be heavily front loaded. Obviously, you want to be the first to see this film. And that's why the Thursday previews getting sprung on fans feels a little crappy to me. Like uh, uh, the that's a that was a bad look. OK, because I think, you know, she wanted to open this movie on. October 13th, because that's her, her, her lucky number is 13. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then somebody probably said, I mean, we got all these Thursday. I mean, we got Thursday. Nobody's going to see exorcist, right? We could show this movie on Thursday. And she probably said, okay, that makes sense. I'll do it. You know, numbers are numbers, whatever. Do you think uh, Taylor money, Swift said numbers are numbers? Cause she's, she I said, doesn't well, feel like numbers are numbers to her. The tickets well, are being sold for $19 and 89 cents. I um, think she and I, is that really actually happening though? Because I know in New York City we're not we're not paying you know nineteen eighty nine for that. We're well, paying a premium. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would be yeah, that would be a reduction. But I I do think that seems to be the case. Most cities they're selling, which is an upcharge for most places. You know, a non premium screen nineteen eighty nine is still an upcharge. Yeah. So they're making more per ticket than an average movie would make. Uh, well, the other thing though is mm -hmm. the. Uh, people buying out entire uh, theaters, yes. like buying out entire screening rooms is also something that that is going to happen with this film at such a higher rate than 
other times. I mean, COVID was a time where people were buying out, you know, uh, viewing rooms. So that was a thing. But you're, you weren't packing everybody in there. You weren't packing all of your sorority sisters in there right, or, right. you know, or your I, frat brothers you know, or, or, you know, or your whoever. frat brothers yeah, or yeah. your, you know, yeah. Various clubs for people. Right. Um, so the members not, of your senior citizen community, yeah. that sort of thing. I totally. Mean, There's who knows? Be the church buses. From, yeah. The church buses could be lining up and parking outside these theaters. We just really don't know. I mm-hmm. mean, what the reach here is, because I do think there's a very vocal group of people driving interest in this, which is the Swifties. Mm-hmm. But Taylor Swift sells so many records and it's not just the Swifties. So there's going to be less vocal people who are going to go see this movie that are not talking about it as much. Right. So uh, I don't know. I mean, 150 does sound like it's it's, you know, very possible, obviously, but it could do 200. Yeah. It's, I just I, don't know. The Barbie number was 155. And yeah. it would be incredible if this movie got higher than the Barbie number, which at that point, you know, that seemed unfathomable that that movie mm-hmm. opened at 155. I mean, Matt, I'll throw to you. You know, we're talking about this movie having these giant pre sales, they're opening the Thursday numbers. It's a happening. And do you think that is a detraction? for people to go on opening weekend or is that the type of thing where people are going to want to be part of this happening even if they're not taylor swift fans it starts to become a thing of hey there's a long line for that let me get on the back of the line you know do you Mm -hmm. think there is some attraction towards just being part of the thing this weekend seeing what everyone's dressing up like they don't even recognize any of these eras of taylor swift they're just like why are these people dress up like this? Right. I got to right. go buy a ticket and find out. Right. The ERA tour. Why is she doing a tour about earn run average? It doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Sure. You know, that, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. I think that, you know, I, that's a g- good question and it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. My feeling based on nothing but my own just intuition, my gut feeling is the happening aspect really, I mean, that's really for the 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 I have a real hard time saying Taylor Swift for some reason. I don't know why. For her audience, mm. I think, really. But she has a gigantic, enormous, right. mega gigundo audience. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like if for the people who maybe didn't uh, pre-order a ticket or thought they would, you know, like I could see the 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 excitement around it encouraging those those few stragglers who didn't pre-order a ticket to go if you're to me it seems maybe that if you are curious like i would put myself in the category of like i you know i know taylor swift i know some of her songs Mm -hmm. i i I have nothing against her uh i i you know like i I like listening to her music with my kids sometimes for the songs that they know but it's not like i've i've ever gone to gone to one of her shows or uh you know you know what i mean like to me, it would be, and, and maybe I'm most interested in just seeing this movie that so many people are seeing because it is going to end up being one of the biggest movies of the year mm-hmm. in terms of sheer box office. I might be more inclined to wait because I don't necessarily want to be the one weird old guy mm. in that crowd. Um, so I would like to see the see the phenomenon, try to understand it as best I can, but I don't want to be the, the middle-aged guy who's like, you know, right. the one... You know, I the guy who has to squeeze in the middle of the aisle and 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 no one wants you. Right. Is there I guess if 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 I was going with my kids, then maybe that would be less of an issue. But if I'm going by myself just as a sociological and 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 critical film thing, I would I would be waiting personally. So, Mm -hmm. Clayton, are you going to you know, because I'm seeing this next weekend, but I'm seeing it with my two nieces. So I'm totally covered. I'm not going to be the one weird guy. I've got kids in there, so I'm covered. Matt, it seems like you're taking your daughter, so you're you're able to go see this. Clayton, will you be seeing this movie this weekend, and will you be that one weird guy? Because, you know, we had a poll, Matt, a, a month or two ago, and our fans spoke, and they said Clayton did need to see this movie. He needed to see it. 
It was an overwhelming Absolute, vote. Absolutely. I agree. He needed to see in the theater. So Clayton. For science. For science. Yeah. Unfortunately, Matt's vote doesn't count. Um, and it's it's a controversial, uh, it was a controversial result, let's just say. So we're still, you know, it's still up in the air. But on my own volition, I feel I do need to see this film. And I was going to see it with a friend of ours, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we realized that this isn't playing during the week. This is only playing on the weekends. Okay. So therefore we have to oh, make that's interesting. plans that aren't, we were going to go see it on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Now that is out of the question. Right. So mm. I, think I didn't that, even know that. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a weekend only affair. And they, they did, they did announce that when the movie was first announced two months ago. I think a lot of us have forgotten that because we just assume movies play all week, but that always yes. was the plan. That this was so, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday affair. I do think, you know, uh, as as Matt has said, I mean, that is one of the reasons I may not see this movie is because I need to have a buffer. Right. I need right. to bring a buffer. And right. who is this buffer going to be? Right, right, right. And what what is the thinking behind only showing it on weekends? What do they what what do they get out of that plan? That that's a great question. So I think originally when this was announced a few months ago, I mean, I'm sure they knew this would be big. I think the size of it has probably been even bigger than they could have expected. And there's probably some amount of everything Taylor does needs to be a giant success. And there was probably some thought of it'll play best on the weekends. Let's only show it on the weekends. And maybe there was some thought of, listen, the weird guys who go by themselves, they're going to go on a Tuesday and we just want to avoid those screenings existing. You know, the Tuesday weird guy screenings and you don't want photos mm-hmm. of that to get out where someone takes a picture of a Taylor Swift screening on a Tuesday at two o'clock afternoon and it's a lot of Clayton's there. So it may have well, been a strategic I, mean, I don't way. like to use that as an example. Thank you. N- not, not to turn you into a genre of human, but we know it. We all know it's just a shorthand. And and they probably didn't want those pictures getting out. But I, I do think the original idea was to make this as much of an event as possible. So just play it on the weekends. I don't know if they'll change that, you know, because this weekend it's going to make its 150, 200 million. And and I'm sure next weekend is going to be huge. So there may end up being a, hey, by popular demand, Tuesday, Wednesdays have been added. So you know, single guys in your forties, creeps. Yeah. Creep shows. They'll add creep shows possibly. Yeah. Um, but for right now there are no, at least one in the middle of the day for all the creep shows, right. Just blast it out to our accounts. I mean, I'm an A-lister, so they know all my demographics. Mm -hmm. They know, Mm -hmm. they know I'm single. They know my age. They know my income level. They know. So blast it out to me. Yeah. They've seen the hats. Everybody's seen the hats. So I I do think, but I I agree here where, you know, this is supposed to be a concert substitute, right? right? I mean, also people who've seen the concert live are going to want to relive it and go to this movie, but this is for a lot of people who didn't get that concert experience. So the thought process is the energy would not be the same. Right. If it's a Tuesday afternoon with a bunch of creepers. Right. And they're not singing the songs. And they're spread so far apart. Mm-hmm. They're not making eye contact with each other. That's a whole different experience that I think Taylor Swift does not want to be associated with. Yeah. So the weekends make sense when all the kids are off school and the guardians are available to take the children. Right. There's right. going to be a lot of guardians, you know, uh, t- taking children, your parents, mm-hmm. guardians, mm-hmm. wrangling a bunch of uh, young kids to these movies. And it's hard to do that on a Tuesday afternoon. You're going to do that on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. They don't want the Guardians to be on their own seeing this in the middle of the week. Yeah, I I think it makes sense. And, you know, the Taylor Swift concert series, she mostly plays on weekends. You know, she basically does it at one or two night residency at a stadium, takes off during the week, plays. So I I think it's also trying to mimic the concert tour. But I I think you're right. I think it's mostly them her not wanting there to be social media photos of these Tuesday afternoon creep show showings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's probably good for the brand. So this is going to be huge. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of like Matt brought up earlier, 
people who are going to see this movie who maybe don't normally go see movies. Same thing with the Barbenheimer, Barbenheimer phenomenon. And I think it's really important. And one of our listeners, uh, Wanna Be Oh Boy, Austin sent us a great email, and he mentioned the idea of what trailers are going to play before this Taylor Swift movie. And so I'll throw out to you guys, what do we think of the stuff coming out the next few months where it's imperative that they get their trailer in front of this movie? One Austin threw out the Hunger Games remake, sequel, prequel, whatever that is, Songs and Fire of Snakes. And that would be an important one. You know, you've got a... Uh, you know, strong female lead action hero that would probably play well to the Swifties. Are there other movies that we think they got to get their trailer? If they got to pay Taylor a, a, uh, you know, a, a bribe herself, they got to get this trailer in front of it. Right. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the release calendar coming up. I think, you know, Priscilla would probably like to be a a trailer that plays before this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't Beyonce have like her own concert film coming out later this summer? Yeah, so I'm sure, uh, that would make a lot of sense. I would, I would not be surprised if that was on there. I think the Hunger Games movie is another one that's a very uh, logical trailer that would play um, before a Taylor Swift concert movie. I got a big one, guys. Okay. Lay it on us. The Marvels. Yeah. Marvels. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. that is right in the wheelhouse for the demo that is going to go see this. Yeah. And I do think Marvel might be able to snooker some people into seeing this movie if they're so excited after the experience of they had Barbie, now they have Taylor. Now they're going to have Marvels. Maybe this is going to be great. And so I think that residual goodwill from both of those films might sort of get a runoff effect into Marvels and maybe prop up that opening weekend a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's the phenomenon we saw last summer where something like Elvis really benefited from being a trailer connected to all the Top Gun Maverick screenings in may Mm -hmm. and june of last year yeah you know the marvel the marvels you're right that probably needs it the most because the you know the buzz on just everything superhero is so bad right now that movie in particular for different reasons has got its bad buzz you don't have the stars promoting yet i mean that's the type of movie where i don't know what marvel could offer taylor swift i mean i don't know what anyone could offer taylor swift but getting her to cut some kind of like hey thanks for joining me on my errors tour the movie and november whatever whatever the marvels is coming out i mean just even as i say that out loud i I couldn't imagine taylor swift doing anything like that but i you know something something that they could get some kind of special taylor approval of the marvels would be maybe they could get marvel to like definitively debunk the rumor that she's playing dazzler in some upcoming movie unless she actually is and then maybe they could just pay her extra for doing that to plug to plug the marvels now yeah Mm -hmm. i mean she doesn't have to play that character as the lead in a movie if it was just known that they were doing a harry styles-esque uh, uh, Stinger, where Taylor right. Swift will dress up as a superhero and never be seen again. Much like Harry Styles, never actually appear ever again in a movie, but it's just like you go see the Marvels, there will be a Stinger with Taylor Swift in some kind of cape. That adds that, that $100 would sell million. Some tickets. Yeah? That would sell That's, some tickets. That would be huge. And you know what? Rod, uh, I mean, um, sorry, Gene, if he was alive mm-hmm. and he saw the biggest pop star in America dressed up in a disco queen outfit mm-hmm. like Dazzler, ah. go mm-hmm. back to the OG Dazzler. I mean, two thumbs way up just from right. Gene. Right. right. Now, yes. here's a big here's a big one, guys. I think you do Wonka. But mm-hmm. this is the debut of Chalamet singing, because this is a musical, remember, this is a musical. They're keeping that a part of it under wraps. But you reveal that mm. before the Taylor Swift concert film, you've got 
maybe the number one heartthrob for young people at the moment, Timothy Chalamet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Singing up there on a big screen before Taylor Swift. That's an opening act right there. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I was I was going to say it. One more was Wonka because it does. I would imagine that there is some overlap between the the younger Taylor Swift fans and the Timothy Chalamet fans. I did I did think that that connection made some sense. And they've never been rumored to have been dating, right? Chalamet and Taylor Swift. That's that's never been one. You're asking. You're now. You're now. You've gone way outside of right. my area of expertise. Right. I mean, they. For all I know, they have been. I have no idea. I just figured that the odd, like those, the, those audiences, yes. that like the Venn diagram was. Yeah. Uh, there's yes. some overlap there, basically. This would be, and I know right now the actors can't promote anything, but you know they're doing their strategically showing up at the screening of a short film by the director of the movie that I'm in, but I can't promote. They're doing that type of thing, which God bless, you know, could you see Timothy Chalamet just showing up at a screening of the Taylor Swift movie in the next week or two, you know, like any, it doesn't, he doesn't dress like Willy Wonka. There's no chocolate bars involved, or maybe he gets Uh, a chocolate bar as a concession, but, doesn't you know, you know candy falls out of pockets all the time right so right. he could just be walking around you know here a wonka bar falls out of his pocket it's an accident he right. likes them he started eating them when he was shooting the film right. he carries them with him they he made, carries a lot with them they made they so fall many. out yeah they fall out maybe one has a golden ticket in it to like a you know right. to the premiere right. whatever oh my goodness it dropped out of my pocket can somebody find it yeah. These things happen. Yeah, it's it's a big opportunity for stars to promote their movies, but not promote them. Just go see the Taylor Swift movie this weekend. Uh, Be seen there. Yeah. So yes. so we'll get to our official predictions in a, in a second, Matt. We always end the preview episodes by predicting our top five for the weekend. Wanted to get okay. your take on the big movie that opened last weekend was Exorcist Believer. And, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of months ago, you would have thought, and I'll give it I'll, I'll give it to Clayton, he was down on this movie from months ago. He did not think this would be as big as I thought some other people thought. It definitely underperformed. It came in, Clayton, like we said, you know, we did Sunday night, and at that point it was $27 million. This movie ended up opening to $26.4 million. We called was the, it. Was the opening weekend. We did think it would go lower. So, Matt, that movie underperformed. Have you seen, first of all, Exorcist Believer? Neither of us have seen it yet. And what is your take on, you know, why that movie underperformed? And this was supposed to be a big franchise. You know, they spent $400 million Universal to own this film, own the rights to this. What do you think of The Exorcist, both as its opening weekend and as a potential franchise? Well, I did see the movie mm-hmm. and I did think it really stunk. Okay. So I wasn't on that level. I can't say I'm shocked that it underperformed because mm-hmm. I I can't imagine, you know, just from like Friday to Sunday. It's not like people were going to be walking out of the theater on Friday and telling everyone they knew, wow, you got to go see the new Exorcist. Mm-hmm. To me, the issue with like spending that much money on well, on anything, but on specifically on The Exorcist is The Exorcist, in my mind, just my opinion, is a fabulous, iconic, classic movie that has never produced a single, like, genuinely good sequel. Mm -hmm. And it has a and I feel like if anyone if any it has any reputation at all, besides being one of the great horror movies, the first one, that's its reputation is that it's a great horror movie and a terrible like horror franchise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Exorcist 2, you know, is like no people like it's notorious as like one of the worst sequels ever made. I, I don't actually think that one is that bad. I think it's actually I mean, it, I don't think it's good, but it's so deranged. Like I would much rather watch that than rewatch the, the new Exorcist, for wow. example, which is probably a lot. It's slicker. It's it makes more sense, I suppose. But it, it, it is it's just not going for the same kind of swings and having the same gonzo spirit as the uh, as Exorcist two colon the heretic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, Exorcist three. It's been a long time since I've seen it. So I'm I, a big you know, three guy. I'm a big. Three yeah, guy. people like P three, I guess, is probably the one now that probably has the best reputation kind of has become a little bit of a cult movie. 
Um, so that's, you know, at best you could say it's, it's kind of a cult movie. Then the next movie was so, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I mean, I don't really like either one, but clearly the people who made it had so little faith. Haha, no pun intended mm-hmm. in, in the first fourth movie that they completely scrapped it and made a whole other fourth movie with a totally different director and a totally different tone. And that one was really bad. Uh, and it was kind of so bad that, right. Uh, well that, that one is no dominion prequel to the exorcist is, is the, is the one they scrapped and the then unfinished Schrader did, one. Yeah. And then they did release it on home video, which I don't think is all that great either, even though I am a Paul Schrader fan and I, it's sort of, it, it, it again, it, it's at least trying for something, I suppose. Um, I haven't seen that one in a long time either, but I, I certainly, it, it didn't, I didn't re watch it thinking, what were those maniacs doing throwing this masterpiece away? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I would probably rate it slightly ahead of the one they did release, which was more just kind of like generic horror schlock. I think it's that one's called Exorcist the Beginning, maybe? I'm blanking yes, right now. I think but, so, yeah. But um, every every so that, horror franchise needs to have a colon the beginning sequel at some point. Right. Well, every human has to have a, some a beginning of their colon as well. I mean, that's just biology. That's sure. And that's also a great line for a Saw sequel. I, I can mm-hmm. see him saying that. Yes. So basically that was a, you know, we just ran down all those movies. Would you pay $400 million to make the next one of those? Again, I say that while fully acknowledging the, the exorcist, the exorcist. Right. um, And by the way, the exorcist believer does not really have an exorcist in it. So think about that also. Um, spoiler alert, they sort of kind of forgot to put an exorcist. In is, is it a sort of like, we're all the exorcist type of twist? That's, that's part of it. And I don't Everyone want to their own spoil exorcist. this yeah. master, masterpiece, but it's more like, um, um, there really isn't like, there is a Catholic priest who is sort of present in a few scenes. And if you want to be very technical about it, I guess qualifies as an exorcist, although he's not like introduced that way. Right. But what it's more about a a, a a a pair of possessed girls and their parents and how they try to solve this dilemma via like some sort of like a multi faith exorcism, I guess. Okay. Which a hands across is, America exorcism situation. I mean, that's you you make a joke, but that's almost like really what the movie is. Yeah, yeah. And um and whatever. I mean, it's they they were trying to go for something. I don't think it worked, but to me it was more like just like you're sitting there and at a certain point it dawns on you going, you know, I'm watching a movie called The Exorcist, and there isn't really an exorcist in this movie. If there is, he's like the eighth or ninth or 10th most important character. Right. You know, and now granted there's important characters in the exorcist who are not the exorcist, but there are like several exorcist characters and priests who are very important to that movie. But anyway, uh, and again, I'm, I'm digressing. Yeah, it's, it is, it is. I mean, listen, we, we've said it's a tough franchise in the horror space because there's no villain who's iconic. I mean, there's the possessed, the Linda Blair. Pazuzu. Pazuzu. You're going to, you're going to come on. Pazuzu is iconic. Pazuzu is iconic, but iconic as Linda Blair. You know, right. that, no, that's, I know. I'm, I'm teasing because oh, I didn't think anyone but me knows who Pazuzu uh, is. Clayton's been talking Pazuzu. And that's just because I have his name tattooed on my shoulder. But that was a, uh, we don't need to get into that. Yeah. That That's but, for another book. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. That's so yeah, I'm, I was, story. exactly. So uh, I, was I surprised that it, that it did as, you know, as poorly as it did or as well as it did, I guess. I mean, just because there isn't a ton going on, I thought you might lure, you could maybe, can you know bring some people in just because they want to go see a, um, a horror movie in October? Yeah. But other than that, it, the movie really didn't have a ton going for it. So, so well, let's let's talk about the missed. I think missed opportunity. That's what I was for get, Extra yeah. Swift. And the more we've been talking here, and I know not to go back to the creeps, but we have to go back to the creeps. I feel like both of these movies would have benefited to have the Friday the 13th opening, to have it be extra swift, you know, so that people like myself can go see 
the Taylor Swift movie by myself because I'm completing the second half of a challenge. I already saw Exorcist or I'm on my way to see Exorcist. Now it's like, well, I just went to the Taylor Swift movie. No, if it was extra Swift, I am being part of a larger cultural movement. I am seeing both movies in one day. I am just completing the circuit. And so I think it's leaving money on the table for both these movies and a lot of money for the Taylor Swift movie because the creeps are going to stay home. I think that is something that we are realizing right now, that this was a missed opportunity for both films. I think it's definitely a bigger missed opportunity for The Exorcist. That movie would have made more money this weekend opening with Taylor Swift than it did make last week. And I think that's pretty clear. Just the the eventness of it would have helped. I, I didn't think of that, but it's true. There, There's some amount of a single creep could have went this weekend and the parents could have pointed out that creep and said, don't be scared, Cindy. Don't be scared, Timmy he's a creep who has to do this so he could see both movies in the extra Swift, extra Swift meme. And then they'd say, okay, it's for a meme. I'm not scared of him anymore. But what's the meme. If I go by myself this week, you can't do. Yeah. You you're, you're not completing the meme. If you go this weekend, they're, they're right to be scared of you. If you go this weekend. So, uh, I think it's time for us to give our top fives for this weekend, our top five predictions. So, uh, Matt, as the guest, you could choose to go first, second, or third. If you'd like to kick off to give your, top I'm five. gonna, I'm gonna go third because I'm, I am not a box office expert like you guys. So I'm gonna assess what your your picks are, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna judge accordingly and proceed accordingly. Got it. Price is right style for Matt. So Clayton, then you could go first and give well, us of your. Course, uh, give I'm us not gonna go first. All right. Well, then I'll go first. All right. Here I am okay. going first. So obviously the Taylor Swift movie, the Eras Tour, the movie will be number one. So we had our wannabe old boy Austin wrote in and he said he's going bananas. He predicted 181. That feels a little high to me, but I'm going to yeah. go slightly banana. And I think it's going to get over the Barbie opening number. I'm going 160 for the Taylor Swift, the Eras tour, the movie, uh, it sold a hundred million already. This thing is going to be one of those people see the lines. I want to get on the line. So I think it's hitting one sixty. number two is, I guess by default, it has to be the exorcist because it made 26 million last weekend. And even at a gigantic drop, if this thing drops 70%, that's still making like 10 million or so. So I think number two is Exorcist Believer. Number three is where there's a little debate. Could it be, is it still going to be Paw Patrol or will Saw creep ahead? I think Paw Patrol moves to number three. Saw number four and Creator number five. It's Creator or The Blind. Um, The Blind, of course, is a Fathom event movie that would be in its third weekend. I think it's kind of tricky. I think a lot of that audience will probably see the Taylor Swift movie. So the creator will be number five. So it really is my prediction. You think is the pretty- blind audience, the blind audience is going to go see Taylor Swift? I mean, listen, that's a church bus movie, but I think it's a movie, middle America movie. I think that audience is also going to see Taylor Swift. Um, but either way, the blind third weekend of a, of a church bus fathom event it's a stretch to think that that movie is still going to be a contender. Well, we don't know how many theaters it's going to retain either. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty safe picks for me. I do think it's going to be Taylor Swift number one, and then everything moves down a spot. I don't see anything that's going to flip flop, but Clayton, do you see it any differently? Do you see any flip flopping going on in two through five? Um, well, let's get to the, I mean, uh, Taylor yeah. Swift, number one, slam doink of all slam yeah. doinks. There's yeah. never been more of one, but, uh, you know, it's very interesting because people talk about no way, uh, no way home as sort of, you know, a yardstick that this could possibly reach. And that had the three Spider-Men. Yes. There's this only has one. all, all eras of Taylor Swift. 
Okay. I mean, so there is a parallel there. Right. Okay. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go as crazy as that, uh, which would be $260 million. I don't know if that is possible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, uh, I'm going to go, uh, you know, I'm going to go 172. Wow. Wow. Cause I just think with the added Thursdays and I just think this is a must see event weekend of, you know, I, I just mm-hmm. think this is a must see. It's going to suck up all of the air. Uh, so that's my number one. I think number two, I do think is is going to be Exorcist Believer. And I do think there's going to be some runoff here. People who are going to maybe see the Taylor Swift, then they, you know, get a little bit nervous and decide to go see the Exorcist instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's going to be number two. Paw Patrol number three, definitely. The rats need their cheese. This is the only thing for kids at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Saw, which I think is going to have a great hold because as much as Exorcist Believer is still going to be above it, that's not going to be the case for many more weekends. I think we're going to see Saw holding very strong here. And then, God, you know, it's hard to go with anything but the creator here. Yeah, it's just what would flip flop over and it's haunting and Venice feels so, so done at this point. Yeah, the nun is done. The nun is done. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I think it is it's pretty standard. I think the only question is how high does Taylor Swift go? Yeah. So Matt Singer, author of Posable Thumbs, it's your time to give a prediction for Taylor Swift, the era's tour, the movie. Uh, what was, I, Pat, what was your number? I went 160. Clayton went 171. Yeah. 72. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of think it's right. I, I think it's going to, I, I might say like 165. Okay. I was going to kind of go right in the middle there. Really? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I, I mean the other, I, I, I could see, um, you know, I think exorcist will be two. I could see maybe Saw being number three uh, and Paw Patrol for those. I mean, or either way, they're being kind of close. I think your point about there's not a lot else for kids out there right now is very well taken and very true. And as a parent, I have had this dilemma where you got nothing to do and you want to take your kids to the theater and there ain't nothing to see. So and right now there really is like almost nothing else in wide release to take a kid to. So you're right. I don't know. Maybe even after saying that, I thought uh, Saw could be number three. Maybe actually I think maybe. Yeah, I think Paw Patrol probably will be three and then Saw four and Creator, Creator five. So, so, yeah. So there you go. I think it's going to be a really exciting weekend to see where this tale. I mean, this Taylor Swift number. It, it who knows we could be coming in on on sunday night monday morning and we're looking at a 200 million dollar opener it's it's that up in the air for this movie so matt thank you for joining us today so again can you remind the swifties and all right. of the wannabe oh boys wannabe oh girls wannabe oh people people what uh what your book is and when it's coming out yeah, it's Opposable Thumbs, How Siskel and Ebert Changed Movies Forever. It comes out October 24th. You can get it, you know, anywhere. You know, if you Google the title, it should come up. Or if you want to, if you like Amazon, if you like somewhere else, you can find it just about anywhere, Barnes & Noble or whatever. And uh, yeah, or you can look at my website, matt-singer.net. Someday, maybe I'll own Matt dash singer.com but uh, not right now so uh but you can find links there you can find out where i'm doing uh signings and we're doing a, things where it's like screenings not with a twi- taylor swift movie mind you mm-hmm, screenings mm-hmm. of older movies that siskel and or ebert liked um instead of just your typical kind of like book talk kind of thing so it's we're having some fun with it so some places we're showing one movie some places we're showing two movies and letting the audience decide which one they want to, you know, you can pick which of two screenings you want to go to the gene pick or the Roger pick, that kind of thing. That's awesome. Yeah. And doing some Q and A's, some signings. So yeah, that you can also find that at Matt dash singer.net. I got to get better at saying that. Like I have to get better at saying Taylor Swift's name and uh, yeah. And otherwise I'm writing over at screencrush.com and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on various social medias at Matt Singer 
And that's about it. Cool. Very now, exciting. Matt, we both were able to read your book. It is a great book. And oh, I'm, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's uh, it's awesome. Um, you know, it ends sad, but I mean, we knew. Spoiler gonna, alert. Yeah. Kind of like Titanic. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't experience <laughs> it because it's an emotional roller coaster. Right. But yes. what I'll say is. The holiday season's coming up. People mm. are like, what do I buy the people in my life? Right. Mm. Why not buy this book? And the reason being is that, number one, it's a great book. People need to remember and honor these two men. But also, it's great because you can send it to the relatives you like. Here, I'm sending it to my my Aunt Arthur. Two thumbs up, Aunt Arthur. Here you go. Oh, you can also buy it for people yeah. that you don't like, like mm. Uncle Mike. Here you go, Uncle Mike. I had to get you a present, but two thumbs down, my Uncle Mike. Here you yeah. go. It is one of those presents that you could give to anybody. Yeah. And you know what? Even if they get thumbs down, they're still going to read the book and love it. Yeah. Because that's the kind of book it is. Yeah. I love it. It 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 lends itself to a great card along with the gift. So <laughs> Absolutely. So And it does make a good gift. You know, there's a lot of moms and dads and aunts and uncles out there that enjoyed that show and remembered and would enjoy a book about it. So yes, oh, I do agree with that. There you go. Or children or any, you know, like, I don't know about an infant. They probably can't read yet. But of anyone of reading age, I feel like, is is right in the sweet spot. And infants mm-hmm. just like, whatever you read to them, they just like. You could read it to one. That's correct. Yes. You could read it to an infant. And I'm sure they would, they would be very, very happy. Yeah. An sure. infant just wants to know that you're there. So read them this book. That's right. The That's soothing sound of my prose would uh, make them very contented. Exactly. Or there's an audiobook that I I did the I read the audiobook. You could have my voice play my voice for your infant for nine hours and thirty five minutes. I think that would be a very a very good thing to introduce a child to my voice for nine hours. Oh, I, I think love they would it. Put it on the belly that. for pregnant women. Yeah. Put it right on the belly. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. And then you just you could leave the room. You know, you you just play Matt right. Singer's audio. I'll take book. care of it. Yep. yep. I'll take it from here, guys. Yeah. Set it I, and forget it. Yep. Love it. So, of course, buy Opposable Thumbs. Order it now. Comes out October 24th, but pre-order it. Of course, we are on YouTube, so you can watch the show on YouTube. Follow us on social media at the B.O. Boys Pod. Wanna B.O. Senior Intern Christopher doing a great job with the vertical videos on social media for us of course email us the bo boys podcast at gmail.com love getting your predictions let us know if you saw the taylor swift the errors tour the movie this weekend let us know if you were the creep that was there and how that experience went for you because creeps gotta go see this movie so let us know how that went the bo boys podcast at gmail.com give us five stars on all podcast platforms but especially apple Podcasts, the only one that actually really matters and yeah i think that's it i think we've done it clayton nothing else to say yeah yeah i don't think no except oh until next time we'll We'll smell smell you at at the the box box office. office nailed it